0: Hello, I'm TJ, and welcome to my garden. Uh, Today we're going to talk about selfing. Uh, Selfing is not the newest dance craze. Uh, Selfing is self-fertilization. You'll hear the term used a lot by plant breeders or seed collectors. Uh, Selfing is a very mixed blessing, I guess. I was about to say it was a very convenient trait, but it actually does have some some issues. Um, But primarily the good thing about selfing is that it is one plant reproducing with itself. That's what it is, and that's where the benefit comes in, because you get a consistent product each time. So, kind of a little bit of, of background. Uh, self-fertilization is one of two strategies. Basically, some plants will fertilize with themselves. Uh, it's on the basis that if they've been doing well, then logically offspring who are pretty genetically consistent with them will also do well. Uh, so they just reproduce with themselves. Now this is not the same as asexual reproduction. This is not cloning themselves. They, biologically, it is a reproductive sexual process. Um, they will mix their own pollen or create their own pollen. It'll land on their own uh, receptacle. The whole process goes through just like it does for a normal flower. The end product is that the plant has fertilized itself. So both Sets the DNA that make the new plant come from the same exact parent. The downside is plants that routinely self-fertilize are functionally very, very inbred. The upside is they are also very, very consistent. Uh, Some of the top ones that we rays that are known to do this. Uh, Most of the domesticated legumes do this. They do this because they have a structure called a keel. These are two fused petals that actually cover uh, most of the reproductive system. In wild legumes, in things like uh, alfalfa, for instance, even though alfalfa is domesticated as well, but even the wild relatives of alfalfa, uh, those keels kind of serve as a lever that creates a little sort of... um, kind of a, a punch of pollen essentially on the on the bee that's pollinating it if you watch it, it actually looks like the plant is punching the bee uh, domesticated bees actually don't like this at all uh the the conventional honeybee wild bees to varying degrees have developed a tolerance for this but basically when they land on the keel eventually when there's enough weight to trip it the keel flops down and all the reproductive parts fly up and the anthers hit them with the pollen It also causes the stigma to hit them as well and pick up a pollen that may already be on them. In domesticated peas and beans, though, we've actually bred these. And I I don't know if this is something that started in their wild ancestors or if we did this. But basically, the keel kind of locks up the whole process. And so even though a large enough insect can trigger them to also uh, reproduce conventionally uh, by picking up pollen and releasing pollen... Normally what happens is the pollen just ends up released in the keel, moves around a little bit, and then lands on its own stigma. So usually they pollinate themselves. Tomatoes do this as well. Um, there is a type of uh, orchid called, I want to say it's something like the rude orchid or something like that. Uh, its uh, anthers and stigma actually grow into themselves. It literally grows, as the, the flower reaches maturity, it actually grows into itself, pushing its, its parts all together. So in general, plants that do self-pollinate often self-pollinate before the flower even completely opens. So there usually isn't a lot of time, if any, for other pollen to get into the flower. So in the case of tomatoes and beans and everything else, this means that you have to go out of your way to pollinate them because them actually getting pollinated is pretty rare. It does happen. You will occasionally get, say, a a seed from an heirloom tomato that you've been growing that will produce a different tomato because it's a, it's actually the product of hybridization between two different varieties of tomato but broadly speaking most of the time once that tomato flower is open it's already pollinated itself and that means that you will consistently get one fruit from each flower provided conditions are right for fruit uh fruit formation but the downside of course is they're horribly 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 inbred in general Um, So it's a mixed bag. When it comes to seed saving, these are the safest uh, plants to save seed from because they lock away their own process and they only reproduce with themselves. You don't have to worry too much about isolation zones. Uh, For something like corn, your isolation zone can be measured in miles. But you can have eight varieties of tomato planted right next to each other. And if you save seed from a fruit on each of those tomatoes, the likelihood is pretty high that that seed is going to be consistently the variety you took it from. Some people prefer to put at least a little distance or to, say, if they're growing multiple uh, copies of the same plant, they'll take the one from the middle, so it's least, you know, it's the least likely to have cross-pollinated. But generally speaking, any of the plants that will routinely self-pollinate are the best uh, uh, subjects for seed saving. And they're also really great for... uh, breeding experiments, right? You can, if you want to create a new strain of tomato, that's a lot easier than intentionally creating a new strain of corn, right? Because you can put in years and years of work breeding for a trait. And then one wayward, you know, plume of pollen hitting your plants before you're ready for it can throw all that out. That's why they use isolation bags and everything else when they're breeding corn. It's to keep it from picking up pollen from the atmosphere. Uh, Because if there's a farm a few miles down the road, that can be close enough to affect your, your population that you have growing locally. So tomatoes, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can grow a tomato in your backyard right next to 10 other tomatoes. And you can intentionally cut away the flowers before they open and separate out the male and female parts and take the male part from the one you want and use it to pollinate the female part. It's hand pollination. And create a plant that is a mix of those two and feel fairly confident that it's not going to have genes from some other plant you didn't intend in the mix. Um, So that's why selfing is handy. Uh, I did say selfing would be the shortest of the episodes this week. It was enough that I felt it needed to be in a separate episode. I didn't want to take time in the other episodes to talk about it, but it's not enough for me to really... Completely do an episode on. It. So I thought I'd throw in a little bit of bonus information. uh This weekend, uh we actually had the Google Doodle uh, honored uh Inez Mexia uh or Mexia. I don't I don't know how she pronounces her last name. She's long deceased, but um there's actually a town with that same last name or same name. But it's it's a complicated story. Basically, she's kind of an interesting person. She um, was born just before the turn of the century. Uh, she actually didn't uh, do a lot with botany until much later in life. So she was the daughter of a Mexican diplomat. And her name is actually the name of a city in Mexico. I'm sorry, in Mexico, in Texas, where she spent a good chunk of her life because it's named for a distant uh, relative of hers. So the Mexia family were actually bigwigs on both sides of the Mexican-American War, apparently. Uh, Quite a few of them did stay in Mexico after the war and some of them fought for uh, texas independence and the town which is right by where she grew up was later after her death named mexia not in her honor but in the honor of a general who fought on the texas side uh, for texas independence way way back when Uh, so a little little bit of a weird fact there so the gist is she was born to a diplomat and an american Uh, they parted ways the mexican diplomat Moved back to Mexico. Uh, Inez moved with her mother and her mother's other children from a previous marriage. They moved to property that I believe was owned by his, her father's, uh, family, and that's the property that later became the town of Mexia. But her story is a little bit weird. She had two marriages. Uh, one failed because the gentleman passed away. The other one failed because she had a poultry operation and he. Ran it into the ground while she was living in, or she wasn't living in San Francisco, but she was in San Francisco for medical reasons. She was actually in the hospital. He ruined her poultry operation, so she ended up divorcing him. He was actually quite a bit younger than her, I believe 15 or 16 years younger than her. Uh, and there's a car revving in the distance. I hope that's not being picked up. <laughs> and she uh, divorced him. Stayed in the San Francisco area and actually got involved with the Sierra Club. At the time, they were doing a lot of courses and things like that. And this is when she's nearly 50. She becomes really interested in plants. And she starts but doesn't finish a degree in botany. Uh, But the more important thing and the reason why she's being commemorated is that she actually went on several plant collecting trips uh, to Mexico. And she managed to discover um, an entire genus of plants, as well as several other individual plants. I think her total is somewhere in, I want to say 300 or 400 individual plants that she discovered and collected uh, in habitat in parts of Mexico and Texas. So really a a fascinating woman. Um, I just had to bring that up as a bit of a bonus fact to beef this episode out a lot. It is going to be the shortest one this week. I didn't have a lot to say. But in tomorrow's episode, we're going to talk about breaking all the rules I set forth in the upper episodes and doing some experimenting and playing around. Um, So thank you for listening. If you like the episode, definitely share it around. You can just share the link Uh, podcast.tjsgarden.com and people can go there and subscribe or listen. Uh, If you want to send me any comments, you can go to tjsgarden.com and hit on the uh, contact form and send me a message that way. I definitely appreciate you guys sharing it around and getting more ears on it. Uh, Until next time, uh, go out and enjoy your garden. Bye.